You're listening to Level Up with Melissa Zalouf from Iron Source. So welcome back, everyone. I'm Melissa Zalouf, and you're listening to Level Up, the podcast for people who love making, growing, and of course, playing mobile games. Today, I'm here with Danny Moy, Chief Strategy Officer at SciPlay. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Danny. Thank you for having me. I've uh, I've listened to a lot of podcasts, and I never thought I would appear on one. So this is a well, new and exciting for me. This is this was going to be actually my uh, my first question. We have done a little bit of digging. Um, is this? A, do we have the honor of being your your first podcast? I believe so. Like, unless there's something out there that uh, I didn't <laughs> know about, this should it be happened. the first happened in a dream. So we're very, very excited to have you. Um, and I think we're going to have strategy is a very fun word. It's up there for me with product marketing and demand generation. So people use it a lot and no one can quite agree on exactly what it means. Uh, but we will we will get to that. Um, uh, let's talk a little bit before we, we go there. Let's talk a little bit about your career uh, and how you ended up um, in, in gaming, um, because you started in finance. Um, is that correct? You were at Bank of America, um, and Halliard Capital. So how, what, tell, tell us about the journey. Yeah, that is correct. Um, I started out my career in finance, uh, predominantly in investment banking and private equity. Uh, but I would say, you know, early in my professional career, I've always had an interest in consumer products and businesses because they are, they, they're tangible. You can see it, you can touch it, you can feel it and understand how it is relatable to a user and a customer. Um, so this interest was heightened and fulfilled when I moved to the San Francisco Bay Area to work mm-hmm. at Yahoo. Um, when my first you know, real professional opportunity in the gaming industry came about, which was at Zynga, I remember two things that inspired me to, to go for it and start learning that space. Uh, first gaming was definitely a consumer business. You know, I, I grew up mm-hmm. playing games and was still playing them. So I had a sense of what my work would be like. Uh, second, I had started to see a new trend of my friends and coworkers playing games on Facebook at the time and other web destinations. You know, I didn't think these same people, you know, played video games because, you know, at the time they were not part of what we call the traditional gamer demographic. Um, mm-hmm. So I sense a potential evolution like in gaming and, you know, I had a strong interest in, you know, potentially this new chapter making journey in the video gaming industry. So, you know, it, it really piqued my interest at the time and, and I just dove right into it. And uh, both, um, perhaps it's fair to say that both kind of like the the finance world and the gaming space are sort of have a bit of a reputation for sort of quite crunch, brutal hours, you know, um, it's a very... Uh, work oriented culture. Well, actually, work and work hard, play hard. Let's say, um, is that a fair? Is that a fair sort of um, stereotypical assumption? Do you find that there are parallels in in the culture? And also, has that changed? Right in in the years that you moved into gaming. Yeah, I think there's definitely some some parallels, but depending on on uh, what stage or life cycle of a game uh, that you're working on. Um, you know, there could be, you know, there could be similarities where, you know, it's, you know, there's a lot of hours, there's a lot of, you know, sweat and dedication that's put into it. Um, but I could tell you the one thing that, you know, I like in gaming, at least that was, it, that was different than, than, than when I was in finance. 
So the gaming culture requires working cross-functionally with a lot of different disciplines and teams to build something or, or execute on a strategic growth initiative. You know, versus when I was in finance, at least, you're mostly working within your deal team or project team. So not as many opportunities to interact with different teams to understand their perspectives and to learn from. So one thing I wish I could bring from, you know, gaming into the finance industry is the another thing that I wish I can bring from the gaming industry and the finance industry is the fail fast and learning mentality that you hear a lot about. But, mm. you know, thinking about it, I'm not sure if that would work well in finance, yeah. you know, every investment <laughs> trade or, or every investment fast on a billion, billion dollar deal. Yeah. Um, exactly. they'll, they'll so. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just to double click on that a little bit, are there things other way around, right? Are there things that you've taken from the world of finance um, to the world of gaming, especially when you're thinking about things in terms of setting a strategy? I think so. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, early foundational skills that I, I picked up in finance um, that has helped me, you know, you know, throughout my professional career, not just specifically in gaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I when I was in finance, it entailed a lot of modeling out what a company or business would look like when given a set of assumptions and mm-hmm. figuring out how to get there. Uh, I would say it's very similar in the gaming industry. You're trying to understand what the growth opportunity is, how to get there, and modeling out what the company or the business will look like. And then, you know, to help execute on where you're trying to get to, you're developing a strategy and a plan. Uh, to capitalize on that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I think there's very, yeah, there's definitely a lot of similarities between the two. And, you know, I think, you know, starting out in finance, you know, I, you know, I think it does help, you know, especially on the business side of, of gaming. So um, good segue to, to what you're doing today. Um, so you're the chief officer, no, not chief officer, you're the chief strategy officer at Cyflay. Um, and I, I think I, I said this already, strategy is a, is a great buzzword, right? But what, is it, what does it really mean, um, at least for you in the context of games and game businesses? Like what's a good, is it, I, and well, follow up question, is strategy at Cyplay about what games you build or how you turn them into a business? Does that make sense? Like yeah. where is, or maybe it's both. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's a good question. I think you kind of, you probably stole a bit of my answer already, but, um, but strategy is generally not the same across every game company from what I've seen and, and likely a little different everywhere. Um, but for me, I'll tell you or how I think about strategy. You know, strategy is explaining the entire story um, and or business case of what you're recommending to do. So, you know, first explaining the why, the, the market opportunity or, or gap analysis then what objective or goal are you recommending, right? Based on that opportunity that you're seeing, then explaining, you know, how are you going to achieve that goal? You know, what is the plan and all the dependencies and risks to look out for? And then finally, what does success look like? What, what, what is the strategic and or financial value uh, that's being created out of this, you know, strategy or objective that you're ultimately recommending a, a game, a business, or a company to, to undertake. Mm-hmm. Um, and out of interest, you've said that strategy probably differs um, across different game companies. And I, I'm, I've ne- I admit I haven't actually looked into this, but I also don't remember sort of hearing of a lot of CSOs at gaming companies. Did the role of chief strategy... Oh, my God, it's really killing me this time. Chief strategy <laughs> officer... Guys, it's, but it's, it's so eight, new, right? Like you eight said, twenty p.m. Yeah. for me. Yeah, um, did it exist before you joined Cyplay? 
Um, I don't believe so. It did not. Um, but it doesn't mean that this strategy mentality wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I would say you know, what, what's happened over the last couple of years is that we've gotten better operationalizing that type of mm-hmm. thinking and that type of mentality into, into everything that, uh, that we do at the company. Is that, do you, do you sort of see that happening across the industry or is it sort of unique-ish to Cyplay? Like, is there a larger trend towards game companies being better operationalizing strategic thinking? I can see that, yeah. As a company starts to get, um, starts to scale and, and get bigger, you know, you just naturally have a lot of different functions, a lot of different like stakeholders. Um, you start to have, you know, potentially different goals and competing agendas. I think it's good to have a, a central team to kind of help bring that all together and, and look at it from like, okay, what's best for the entire company? Like, mm-hmm. you know, instead of just what's best for one specific group. Like at the end of the day, I think the, the, the entire company wants to be able to grow and, and continue to scale. So, you know, how to, how to bring it all together and making sure that um, the company uh, harmoniously like, you know, grows. Mm. And I am, um... I asked earlier about sort of like a game strategy or a game business strategy. Um, how, how do those two things come together? And, and is there a difference, right? Could, could it be that you're sort of like, I think game wise, we need to, I mean, I assume not because it wouldn't be a very good strategy if you couldn't build a business out of a game. Um, but how, <laughs> how do you sort of um, approach building do you start from the business case or do you start from sort of like the entertain the game sort of a gap in the game market or entertainment that users are looking out for like how do those two things um work in tandem yeah i would say they they potentially start out different in the beginning um so i think in the early stages of game development and on the surface they may look different uh but they quickly come together especially Mm -hmm. in in free-to-play games and in the in the industry that i'm in today um, in the beginning, you know, it's about designing and developing a game that your target audience will want to come back and play over and over and over, right? Um, but while you're, you know, but while, you know, you're developing and you're testing that data starts to come in mm-hmm. and it will inform both your business and the game strategy. So now it's about, okay, how do I optimize the game? How do I market the game? How do I operate the game? you know, what new content and features should I add to the game? And, you know, one may seem like it's business, um, but it really helps inform the game strategy. So they just become very intertwined, like quickly on when, especially in the free-to-play games world. Mm-hmm. It's funny, it reminds me of a, um, I don't know, debate session um, or idea that we discussed sort of like a couple of years ago, the difference between kind of like a good game and a good game business. Um, and one of the things that the the sort of defining difference was you could have a game that has in-game metrics that are like wonderful, right? LTV and retention is amazing, but it's not marketable in the sense that there isn't a big enough market out there, either big enough to sustain a business or cheap enough to acquire to make kind of like growing growing the game's user base um, cost-efficient or like achievable profitably. Um, And so I'm sort of curious, and and in in a case like that, the best in-game metrics in the world won't help you if your audience is like, you know, a hundred or a thousand people. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious if and how kind of like Cyplay looks at marketability and also sort of like, how are you guys testing for that? 
Um, and if so, what part does that play in kind of your strategic decision making? Yeah, so we're we're constantly testing for that. So I, I think I think you're right, especially in today's environment where, especially the UA environment, right, has has, has changed and it's mm-hmm. harder to find growth. So you're constantly, you know, testing for for marketability. So you know, I think first and foremost, it do, it is important to have the the in-game retention and the engagement, you know, metrics to be strong to understand that hey. You know, even if I can market the game, I need to understand that these I can retain these players, right? And I can retain them for the long term. I can continue to keep them engaged because that will just give you more opportunities or, or longer time horizon to expose them to new content and mm-hmm. to try to monetize them. So, you know, first and foremost, we, we make sure, you know, engagement and retention is there. And then, you know, we partner, you know, with, with um, the game teams, we'll partner with our marketing team and, and, the, and the competitive uh, intelligence team to understand, okay, what, what, is the, what is the target audience? What is the appetite for them, right? Like, how big is it? Like, what's that? Well, we, we like to use the word TAM here. What's the total addressable mm-hmm. market? That total addressable market has to, be, has to be big enough, like you said, to help support a potential business uh, on the game side. So once we determine that, hey, there's an acceptable market to help um, to help for this game to compete in, now we're constantly like testing and iterating the marketability. Like, can we get it to the point where, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we know what the potential LTV is from the game side. Okay, how much is it going to potentially cost us uh, to go acquire this player or bring this? At the end of the day, you know, it has to break even or ideally mm-hmm. be above the break even within a certain time horizon um, that we're comfortable with. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a continuous, like, iterative process. So it, it's like, you know, it's a constant feedback loop, right? You're getting more data in to say, okay, whether or not this is going to work or it's not going to work or you know, how do we iterate? And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I love the gaming space so much. Like, it's one of the few industries where you can continue to basically, you know, react to the data and help and, and help inform your decision-making, you know, moving forward. Like, you know, most industries, you kind of make a decision, you go out and build something, and then you hope you try to try to sell it or get it in front of people. And if it doesn't work, you know, sometimes you're, you know, you're, you're a little bit out of luck, like you can't, you can't mm-hmm. really go back and, and you change something. Yeah. So um, let's jump to the more amorphous side of things. Um, so like, games and and I and this is one of the things I love about the industry it's both it's this mix of sort of like incredibly like sort of sophisticated analytical data oriented performance oriented sort of like metrics oriented um activity which is married with this very creative delightful like how do we build experiences that users love um so how do you and and that sort of like creativity is kind of an unpredictable X factor. Maybe it's not an X factor because hopefully creativity can be sort of like optimized or or, or scaled. But how do you account for that slightly less like definable, accountable element when you're building a game strategy? Yeah, I think it's it's. I mean, there's because we're in the gaming uh, space. I think there's, like you said, there's always that level of unpredictability, uh, but you do your best to try to to manage that, right, or try to de-risk it, right. So I think the way 
the way we look at it is here at SciPlay, at least we, you know, we we're actively understanding our players and, and always trying to focus on them. So we understand their behaviors and the needs, you know, from the data that that's coming in. And we actually try to, you know, speak to them, like understand, you know, what they like, what they don't like, what are they expecting? Like what's going to keep them like engaged? Uh, you know, what's going to keep them, you know, you know, if they're spending in our game, like why, why are you spending in our game? Like what value are you drawing from it? Like, are you getting the right value from, you know, when you're spending in our game? So this informs what, you know, you should try to create and innovate to keep that player entertained and engaged with you for the long term. So I always, you know, we always, you know, tell, tell our game teams um, and the way my mentality is just never stop understanding and focusing on the player. Um, otherwise, you, you know, otherwise you can strategize on, I mean, that will help you strategize on how to move forward because the minute you stop focusing on the player and you're, you're kind of distracted about potentially trying something new and you're going to lose sight of like what's going on. And as a result, you know, you can't really, um, well, not really, but you know, it's harder for you to innovate and figure out, you know, what their needs are. This, um, it, it makes me think of, a another question, which is kind of, is your the chief strategy officer? Yes, I said it uh, without stumbling. Um, the time. But you talked about kind of strategic thinking on the on the games level of the games team, and I'm I'm sure it applies in a bunch of other teams as well. Is strategy at SciPlay sort of top down? Or is it something which, I mean, you talked about operationalizing kind of like strategic thinking. Is it something that your job is to set, right? Or is it actually about making sure that every team at every level is thinking in a strategic mindset or or thinking or like but feeding up stuff that you're going to be able to then use to inform strategy? Yeah, I think it's a mix of both. Um, I, I would say, you know, things that span across the entire company. So understanding what the company's uh, overall vision is, what's the mission, what's the set of strategies to help, you know, execute on that vision. That's, um, you know, but we, we see what's going around the company. Right. And then, you know, I can't at a tops down, you know, we try to take a view on that. Um, but then we quickly like circulate that with the broader company. Right. To get their feedback. Um, mm-hmm. So we're just not creating something in, in a vacuum because at the end of the day, you know, our job is to get everyone aligned and rallied, you know, behind that bigger vision and that strategy so that the entire company um, can, can continue forward. to push forward and grow. Um, and then at the game teams, you know, they, you know, like they have a set of, you know, they have a vision too, like of what they want to deliver um, mm-hmm. to the player and, and, um, and to their audience. So they will also develop um, their vision and, the, and, and their set of strategies on how to get there. Um, but we work closely with them to say, okay, you know, if you have the right company overall vision, right, it, it should span across the entire company, right? It should apply to different teams and different groups. So, you know, we want the games to continue to grow, but then we'll work closely with them to say, okay, why not, you know, you should also create your vision and your set of strategies, but then let's work together to see how that supports, right, the um, the overall company vision. So mm-hmm. then we align and that, you know, we're basically you know, help, we're helping support each other to basically execute on that. That makes sense. I did think you were going to say something like it's a mixture. Um, so I, um, we talked, you talked a little bit about the UA landscape changing, right, which it has. And I think game, the gaming space itself has changed vastly, like 
over the, the last even just sort of like 10 years. How do you, are you even trying to build kind of like a long-term strategy? Um, and if so, how do you do that when you're sort of like constantly having to sort of um, keep up with a very fast changing industry? And that's kind of like both gaming and also let's call it like marketing or advertising. So I think, I think one of the bigger traditional strategies in the gaming industry has been how to accelerate growth. Um, so over the last you know few years, I've met and talked to a lot of gaming companies where they were only looking for growth, you know, through either user acquisition of new players, building and launching new games, or simply buying revenue just through through M and A. Mm -hmm. So it's not atypical for gaming companies to overlook the fact that growth can actually come from existing players, uh, and hence incremental and, and drive incremental growth from the existing players that you have and, and not worry about constantly chasing, you know, new mm. players coming in. So this, and again, I, you know, over the last year, you know, maybe the user environment also made it easy for them to do that. But, you know, this is something that gaming companies often overlook when they're building their long-term strategy. Mm. So at SciPlay, you know, we have a genuine focus on, on how to improve retention and engagement and monetization you know, from the existing player base that we already have. Mm -hmm. This is a very large component of our long-term strategy. So, you know, our, our long-term strategy that, you know, that, that we're building or continuing to, to evolve and execute on is really, is really a lot about trying to grow our core business and, and, and making sure we grow, our, um, grow the, uh, the value that we create from an existing player base. You know, mm -hmm. in parallel, you know, we're still going to try to, you know, develop new games, expand into new genres or expand into uh, new new markets. But, you know, we always tell us our number one priority is don't forget about our existing player base that we have today and how to protect that and, and how to grow, how to, grow, you know, grow uh, off of that base instead of, mm. you know, constantly trying to, you know, the next big thing to chase. Yeah. Well, you gave me an, you gave me an opening there about, acquiring companies and doing M&A and buying revenue because um, you've been involved in in quite a lot of M&A over the course of your career on sort of both sides of the of the equation um, you you were on the on the king side by when it was acquired by Activision correct, correct? correct. then now then Cyplay has done a bunch of acquisitions since you joined um, what's your sort of because it because it almost sounded like earlier you were a little like um, skeptical of, of acquisitions as part of a sort of long-term growth strategy. Um, how does M&A, and, and no one can dispute the fact that the last year or two have been, has seen incredible, incredible rate of consolidation in the game industry. What's your view on sort of like what part M&A plays um, inside a sort of like game strategy, not game, like game company strategy? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, First, I try to remind you know people when I talk to at least M and A when you're in the corporate world is like first I don't think M and A should be a strategy in itself, so mm -hmm. it should be a tool or or one of the ways to help execute on a strategy, right? So mm -hmm. for most mobile game companies, you know the likely the strategy is around how do I develop a new game, how do I market or scale a new game, or how do I how do I better monetize the the existing games and the products that I have. Um, it could be a strategy, like I mentioned, like how do I expand into a new genre or category? How do I expand into like new international markets? So M&A to me should be about how to accelerate and, 
you know, try to be a cost efficient way to execute on one of those strategies, right? Mm-hmm. So it's basically, it's a tool, right? In a, in a toolkit that's in a, in a toolbox that I say that can help you execute on, on what you're looking to do. So for example, like at, at SciPlay, we wanted to expand into the casual genre. Um, but, you know, we look at M&A is not the only way to do it. M&A is just mm-hmm. one of the multiple paths that we've undertaken to try to expand into the genre, but also... Uh, we also are early, so we need to gain learnings on on how to market and operate, uh, operate and monetize, you know, games in that category. So M and A is just one way of, of of you know figuring out how to get there. Mm-hmm. And um, what's uh, any interesting learnings on being on either side of a deal? Which side do you prefer? Ah, <laughs> uh, that's a, that's a that's a good question. Um, I guess when you're the acquirer, you're you're planning and and tracking how the target and acquisition is meeting that strategic rationale and, and business mm-hmm. case uh, that you underwrote for that deal. Um, you know that you know there's stress on that side too, right? Like there's a reason mm-hmm. why you're recommending this, right? So you're you're closely yeah. working with the target to to execute on that that plan or that vision that you had. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're the acquiree. You know, especially one that likely has a performance like based earnout. Much of the mm-hmm. planning is about what needs to get done to deliver on to meet mm-hmm. those targets that were basically given to me. Um, so the planning is is different, I guess, depending on which side you're on. Mm-hmm. But you know, I however, mean, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. In the end, you kind of both need to to you, you both need it to work, right? Like one has to sort of plan, one has to deliver, but it's in theory a win win. Yeah, correct. So, you know, so there is, you know, so that leads me to the point, there is one thing that is the same on both sides of that acquisition coin, right? Whether you're the acquirer or the acquiree, like the the necessity of establishing early on what that long-term vision mm-hmm. and expectations are for the two companies uh, or the businesses joining up, you know, to me, like I'm a, I'm a big proponent of, you know, both sides need to be fully transparent about like, you know, what, what is the, the bigger goal for, for bringing these two companies together, what's that longer term vision um, and just making sure that there's full transparency and, and alignment before you, you, you know, before get you in, get into bed, words, getting, yeah, getting married or getting to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I think you have that, there's a higher success and, 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 and probability of creating the value of, of uh, from putting the two together. So mm-hmm. knowing how to work together is key. I would say being upfront. Uh, yes. And in the M&A world, it's, you know, what we call creating, you know, making sure we're creating a one plus one equals three scenario. Oh, yes. I have said this line many, many times recently, as you as you might imagine. Um, so, <laughs> so before we wrap up, um, do you have any sort of, especially as someone who's been looking at businesses to acquire and someone who's who's involved in creating what I imagine to be a differentiated strategy for a company. Do you have any advice um, for um, how to make your business or either to how to make your business stand out or how to make your strategy not foolproof, right? Um, but how to build a solid kind of strategy for any, for our listeners out there. Big question. Do yeah. with it what you will. I, I see what we're doing here and I think it's, you know, it, it, it's working well. And I think if, you know, companies, you know, focus on, on these two things that I'm about to talk about, I think it, it'll, it'll, re, it'll result in, it, I think it will lead to like good results. Like, 
you know, at SciPlay, we invest in both, you know, I mentioned like our players and our customers. We never forget. Uh, we're a very player focused company. Mm-hmm. And the next thing that we, we are, we are big on is developing our talent and, and their career path and their professional development. So, you know, this multi-focus approach on both talent and, and the player and focusing on the customer, I think is guiding us as we grow our company. Um, mm-hmm. And, and develop the most, you know, entertaining products and services in a very competitive industry. So I think this, you know, this focus will deliver a more rewarding experience also, right, for your people. And mm-hmm. you know, happy people will lead to, you know, better quality products that will lead to like happier. Uh, oh, yeah. So it's, it's a fly, flywheel analogy that we, mm-hmm. we often use at SciPlay. You know, investing in leveling up our people leads to better products for our players and happy customers, you know, which leads to better financial performance. And if better financial performance will let us to continue to invest in our people, right, um, and continue to build, you know, better products and try to drive for innovation. Sounds simple and perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, Danny, it thank you. On paper, it, it comes down to yeah. Yeah. yeah, but you know, I think for anyone listening, at least there's it's a direction. Um, thank you very, very much for being on the show today, Danny. Um, you have somewhat allayed my skepticism around strategy. Uh, no, fully, fully. Um, and I'm sure it's been very interesting for everyone else listening. And thank you to all of you, as normal, for tuning in. Um, and catch us next episode for something equally fascinating. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me on this. I, I know it's taken us probably like months to figure out the schedule. Yes. And, yeah, and but now now have you started, have you developed a love of being on podcasts as opposed to just listening to them? I might have to. I might have to start sure. you know, participating in, in more that I get invited to. It was actually a lot more fun than I, uh, than I was. Uh, not that it was, but coming into it, I didn't know what to expect. So this was, this was well, a I'm blast. Glad. I feel I've done my job. <laughs>